All right. Good morning, New Life. Great to uh, see everybody here this morning. A beautiful Sunday morning. And um, it's been such an encouragement over the past several weeks as we've been talking about sharing our stories, sharing the story of the gospel. And as I think back over the last several weeks, um, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul was talking about sharing a gospel that he wanted to be untainted. And in that process, he was undeterred in that and just had the desire to, whatever situation he was in, he was going to share the gospel. And, and he, would, he would mold himself to be influential in that setting. And what, a, what an example for us of, of regardless what setting we're in, we relate to those that God put us in that circle to be able to be influential and share truth in the gospel. And then in that, in that same passage, you talk about being undaunted and that meaning prepared, disciplining himself so that he'd have the witness to bear in sharing the gospel. And, and so it's such a challenge for us this entire time. And and this morning, we have opportunity to hear from several of our own family, our own church family, and their stories that God has molded and shaped in their lives, and, and specifically how and when and what the impact of Him saving them was. And then to take it one step forward, as we process this ourselves, we ask ourselves, how do we use the impact that he had on my life to impact those that are around us that don't yet know him? And so, kind of a, a, a twofold um, task this morning for, for you. You all have a job. I don't know if you knew that this morning. You've got a job. We, we, we're just up here. They've got the job. Um, so the job this morning is for, as, as the folks that we got about four, we got four people sharing, as they share their stories, that you're listening for the, the but God moment in their life. And then at the same time that you're asking yourselves, what place in my life, when in my life did God grab hold of me, and it changed everything. And if, if there's not that moment, if there's not that time in your life, really want you to ask yourself, has he grabbed a hold of me? Have I surrendered my life to him? Because if not, no problem today. It could be that day. And that's why we're doing this today, to hear real stories of of Christ changing our hearts and our lives and our eternal destiny, really. So, um, to start us off today, Denise Kumba joins me up here, and she's going to share her story. Before she does, let me open us up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we're grateful for this morning, and we're grateful for the willingness of, of each person that's about to share to bear their soul a little bit, to be transparent in front of a room full of people. A lot of them they don't know. And so we're so grateful for that. But mostly, God, we're grateful for your role in their lives and the truth of the gospel and how it changes hearts 
and changes lives. And so we look forward to, to hearing that message this morning, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to move in the hearts of all of us who are listening, whether online or here in the room, that the impact would be large. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Denise, take it away and, and share your story. <clears throat> um, good morning. And um, as I was uh, opening my phone this morning with my Bible on it, it was funny because yesterday's verse popped up, which was Psalm 1915. Um, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your presence, O God. And Amen. as I was preparing for this, um, even though it was my story, I really felt that it was um, my story, but what God was doing in my life, which of course is what Ryan said. So um, I had to write it down, one thing, because I ramble, so I knew I'd get off, <laughs> off, uh, off my uh, original path, because I wanted to really share kind of the many, the many years, those highlights, and I had to pick the highlights from the highlights so <laughs> and tell my story. But um, I don't recall a time in my life when I wasn't aware of God's presence, because I was raised by a mom and dad who raised us in the church. And um, they weren't Christians when they first got married, but at some point before I was born, they had both given their lives to Christ. So from a very young age, I just knew God was always there. And um, even before I had given my life to Christ, I know I knew he was there because one day my mom uh, got after me and I was angry with her. She probably disciplined me or told me no with very good reason. And in my little, like, four-year-old mind and under my breath, I was angry with her and calling her names. And they were, they were childish names, right? They, but it wasn't the words. It was the, the, the situation in my heart. It wasn't what I was saying. It was what I was thinking and feeling. And I knew that God was aware of what I was thinking and feeling. And I knew that it was wrong. So... Um, about four years later, when I was eight years old, my dad was in the Marine Corps, so we were living in 29 Palms, California, and we would go to church at the little Yucca Valley Free Methodist Church, and there was a pastor there who was speaking, I think he was originally from England, and he was sharing his story, and some of the stories were from when he was a child, and um, as a little eight-year-old, I think I really finally related um, Jesus Christ is my Savior, uh, and that I needed that, you know, related to needing that in my life. So when he gave the altar call, I gave my life to Christ at eight years old. And um, I grew up uh, going to church. My dad, because he was in the Marine Corps, we would move every couple of years, but we mostly stayed in California. And every time we moved to a new place, we would tap into a church. And so all my life, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and um, I was involved with the youth group. Um, there, there was usually a Bible study going on. So God was always a big part of my life, and I loved that. I loved being part of the church. I loved being part of the body and, and all that came with it. So it wasn't just that I did it because I had to do it. I really loved every part of it. Um, so... This was especially a blessing when we went to Okinawa, Japan for four years because at that point we were far away from all our family. Um, but in Okinawa, we had our church family. Uh, we went to a little Keystone Church of the Nazarene and most of us were not Nazarenes. <laughs> we came from all denominations. We came from all walks of life. Um, 
and it was a very special, it's a time that I still kind of miss in my heart. It was a very special time because we were our, each other's family. We supported each other, we bonded, and it was just a special blessing at that time. Um, when we returned to the United States in 1977, <laughs> um, that was a bit of a culture shock for me. A lot had happened in the four years. I was about 11 or 12 when I went to Okinawa and I came back and I was 16. Uh, I had a lot of cousins who were now teenagers and in their early 20s and some of them had gotten into things that needless to say were not godly and it was really sad to see and at first I was just really repulsed by that and um, but at the same time I was hurting because I had left Okinawa and I wasn't happy about that. And I kind of, I got stupid, and I got involved in some of the goofy things that my cousin was do, my cousins were doing, and um, that didn't last long. That was a brief period of time, probably a year, maybe. Um, and after that, I found myself in Costa Mesa, California, at Calvary Chapel at a Keith Green concert, and I just said, enough. You know, mm -hmm. I've had enough of this. I know that God is the God of my life, so what am I doing, you mm -hmm. know? And um, I just rededicated my life to Christ and said, you know, I've never been, I've never not been yours, but I've not been acting like yours. And so I rededicated my life, re recommitted to just saying, God, I want to live your plan for my life. Not for me, but, but for you. Because I'm not glorifying you. I'm not, you know, giving you any praise in the life I'm leading right now. Um, so since that time, I've had very significant moments and things that have happened. Um, my father passed away. My mom and my brother came to live with us for a while, and my mom, due to health issues, needed a lot of care. And so they lived with us for several years, and, and I helped to care for her. Um, but then eventually, I wasn't able to continue to do that. And so putting her in long-term care was really a difficult decision for me. But, you know, I just... I, I, I cried out to God. Every time something difficult came up, I immediately would cry out to God. And in this situation, I did because I had thought to myself, I would never put my mom in a long-term care facility. But I had to be realistic and understand that she needed that care. And so um, those kind of things were difficult. I mean, prior to that, there had been several divorces in my immediate family. That was really hard, and it was painful, and I would just call to God, and you know, it's amazing. He would just bring that peace and that comfort and just give me that strength to work through it, and I'm, I'm so thankful because I, I never felt alone, and all my entire life, I never felt alone, and even when I wasn't pleasing him, I knew. I knew he was right there with mm -hmm. me. Um, so... I, it's been interesting. There's been a transition in my life probably in the last year or so. Um, I'm in, in a life, of course, we're in a life group. Um, I got involved in a D group. And God has really been impressing on me how much more of him I can have in my life. And so all I have to do is ask, submit, but then I have to act. Mm -hmm. I have to, you and Steph are the first ones I remember saying, you got to be intentional. I'm not an intentional person. <laughs> But God has really shown me that I need to make that effort and say, okay, it's not just going to happen. I have to work through my salvation. I mean, yeah, we talk about work working it. Right, sure. uh-huh. And so 
Um, it's been an amazing year, and I just can feel God's presence um, That's great. as I continue. That's awesome. Um, so I'm curious, when you've had opportunity, or, or if, you, um, if you get opportunity, what to share with, with someone that doesn't yet know Jesus, what parts of your story do you feel like are the, are the most impactful and, and meaningful in that sort of conversation? Um, of course, sometimes it depends who I'm speaking with. Um, I'd mentioned a lot of divorce in my family, and that's one of the things that uh, I'm able to look to because there was so much pain during some of these situations that I was, I, I can remember one time I was feeling physical pain, and I cried out to God, and he just lifted that pain. You can't tell me God isn't there and doesn't exist because it was gone immediately, and I just, I was almost like, wait a minute, let's feel that again. <laughs> because, but I tell people, you know, I couldn't have survived that because that was, watching my family break apart, you know, um, was very difficult. And another huge thing was when Srini and I went to India to adopt Deja. And of course, many of you know that story because I blogged and shared it. But we had so many roadblocks, or they seemed like roadblocks, but that was just God's plan working its way. And we just, I just had to cry out to him and say, God, show us, make the way for us, open this up. Because we could have walked away um, and, and just said, oh, this isn't going to happen. We never thought to do that, but, <laughs> but God always made the way for us. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing this morning. I appreciate it. And if anybody has um, questions for Denise. I know she would love to have extensive conversation with any person that is interested in hearing more about her story or more details about what God has done in various moments of your life. So thank you so <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Appreciate it. All right. Very good. Uh, next person is going to be Jeremy Ignazuski. And uh, go ahead and, and take it away, Jeremy. It's on. It is on now. Yes. Yep. Good morning, everybody. Um, as Brian said, yes, I'm Jeremy Ignazuski. Um, intimidating up here. It really is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They've all got their underwear on. Just, they do. That's, it's, they, thank they, you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess one of the things I first wanted to share was like over the years, I've tried several times to write out my testimony um, with never a really a lot of any success. Um, always feeling like since I grew up in the church, I really didn't have a testimony because I always thought a testimony was a dramatic story of a before and after, before you knew Christ. But it really, God's grace in and of itself is dramatic. Um, and so that... I think really helped me pinpoint my story over the years. And then even more recently, within the last couple months, really being able to write it out with God's inspiration. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home, um, and I don't necessarily remember a time that I didn't know God. Uh, even some of my earliest memories would be sitting on, in church with my parents and just being able to feel God's presence and knowing who he was. Um, and even, I mean, I was the typical Christian kid who, who went to church, went to Sunday school, went on mission trips. Uh, and so it's like the, from as long as I can remember, I knew and had a personal relationship with God. Um, and I understood that 
I mean, probably with my parents' help, that, that he came to earth and he died for our sins. Um, the concept that uh, he was my Lord and Savior was in my spirit and my soul. Um, and to think that my story is any less significant or dramatic um, was a lie from the devil. Uh, that God's grace is dramatic and wonderful and it needs to be shared with the world. Um, so obviously, um, as Romans 3.23 says, I'm not perfect. Shocker, right? Um, and uh, we have all, as it uh, says too, like I've, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and need his grace daily for forgiveness. Um, so one of the most impactful and poignant stories that I can think of, uh, of God's grace in my life would be about four years ago. Um, Kelly was pregnant with Noah, and I was working at uh, Ohio Health Rehabilitation Hospital as a nurse. Um, I think sometimes those most painful memories are the moments that God can often do the most in. Um, so an area of ongoing struggle and habitual sin had spilled over into my work life, um, and I ended up using some of the work computers to view illicit material um, well, as sly as I thought I was being, uh, IT caught on. Um, and long story short, I ended up being fired from that job. And obviously, uh, such news was devastating and crushing to Kelly. But not only had I lost my job, but the struggle that we've been fighting for some time had reemerged and, re and reared its ugly head. Um, so there in that moment, my wife, four to five months pregnant with our first child, me with no job and no way to provide for my soon-to-be family, I think the natural and earthly response would have been to panic, but all I can remember is feeling uh, God's perfect peace um, and knowing that he had a plan. Um, and from my knowledge of him and his word and previous life experience, I knew that he was still on the throne in heaven and that um, yeah, he had a plan even when I didn't. Uh, and I know that God is not surprised by anything. As the psalmist says, uh, that he cares even for the sparrows and makes sure that they're taken care of, and how much more so for me. So... Before Noah was even born, um, God had sent five interviews my way and established me on my job at Mount Carmel East. Um, so just a very powerful, and talking about God's grace and provision. Um, so given my actions, I don't feel like I deserved his love or his grace, obviously. Um, but in that time also, God healed the hurt of my sinful actions and restored Kelly and me and our marriage uh, to proper health. Obviously that involved lots of tears, pain and counseling and prayer. Um, but God is holy, um, and he, does, he needs to punish sin. And I remember from being a kid that, you know, all of that, and that he, I deserve to be separated from him forever. Um, and he, he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished, as it says in Exodus. The penalty of sin is death and eternal separation from him and suffering in hell. And only Christ is perfect without sin, and the only one deserving of eternal salvation. For order to get to heaven, we must be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, as it says in Matthew, which is a problem because I'm not perfect, um, and all have, fallen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God sent his Son to live a perfect life on the cross and to take my place and the penalty of death. Christ died and was buried, and he rose from the grave that we might have life. So if I confess my sin in Jesus that he would forgive me and send his Holy Spirit to live in me and change me that I would get to spend eternity in heaven with him. Um, that, that free gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord, as it says in Romans. Um, 
Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Ryan. You, uh, you laid that out so, so calmly and, and um, coherently, and, and we all got the, the benefit of, of hearing your heart on that, and I appreciate, appreciate you doing that because um, the reality is, is that we, we don't earn our way anywhere. Yeah. And um, this gift of God that you speak of, this grace, it's undeserved. And, and we, we can't say that enough. I know you couldn't say that enough. So um, when you've been on missions trips or in your workplace, um, when, when you have opportunity to share with those in your circle, what's the... What's, what's the highlight of your message to them, of, of everything you shared this morning or, or anything else? I think ultimately that it's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves, that it is the gift of God um, and that it's his grace. I think being able to weave that into my testimony is probably one of the more powerful and, and points of it, that it's his grace and it's not anything that we can do. Yeah. And one, um, one thing that... I've noticed from time to time is when one is in a conversation like that, the, the sensitivity to this idea of sin. And, you know, it, it's easy to gloss past it a little bit, but when you actually drill down and someone who's unfamiliar with the idea of sin and the judgment for sin, the righteous judgment for sin, which is, which is this next little phrase I'm about to say to someone that says, we have all earned hell. Mm-hmm. And it's a very pivotal point in that conversation, but one that, that has to be covered. Yeah. And then following it up with the message that you just sent of, of it's, it's not on us, it's an offer, a free gift that I haven't earned, yeah. that I could never earn. And so, um, what's... Is there one thing that's, that's convinced you that the gospel is true? I mean, that was your story, but in order to, to bend your knee to Jesus, even as a young age, but as you've grown older, is there, is there something that, that has just convinced you and you get more and more convinced because of? Um. Um, and if not, if not, that's yeah, okay. I, that's okay. Uh, the the mastery of His grace, yeah. I think, is is the message that you're sharing. So I was just yeah. I was just curious about that. Well, thank you so much yeah, thank you, for sharing. I appreciate it. And I know that there is uh, people out here that are encouraged and um, and are, are having their heart prompted at a uh, at a at a different step and level of commitment to their Savior because of what you just said. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So the, uh, the next person that's going to share, we, uh, um, we hear him often, uh, but from behind a microphone, from behind a, from behind a uh, guitar, behind a microphone, behind a song a little bit. And so um, I thought it would be uh, really neat and to hear his story and how God worked in his life to bring him to uh, 
to faith in him. And one, one passage I wanted to share um, before Trevor started, just as the other two have shared it, it was kind of ringing true in my mind is Ephesians 2.1. Because it's true of all of us, regardless if we come to know Jesus at age 6 or age 60 or whatever, um, Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So with Denise's story, with Jeremy's story, with the rest of our stories, we were dead until God stepped in. So take it away. Yeah. Um, so that's actually one of my favorite verses because I, as I've grown in my faith, as I've grown in just um, what the gospel means, that verse um, has hit home in my life because I'm like, oh, that was me. And now I'm this, and this is awesome. Um, so I, uh, I'm Trevor Butch. Um, I, um, my journey really began uh, growing up. My parents took me to Catholic church growing up. Um, and we weren't even, it was awesome. We weren't the, the Christmas, Easter, Christers or whatever. We actually went pretty regularly. Um, you know, my dad went to Catholic high school, um, was raised Catholic. You know, that, that was very ingrained in, um, you know, in him of just a, this is our tradition. This is what we do. Um, so we went every week, you know, music was a big part of that. Um, I learned how to read music through that, uh, through reading the hymnals and everything. So, um, and then just my dad and I really connected with music through that. So, um, I think that was a big formation in my love of music was just experiencing that every week. Um, so uh, about, about the time I hit high school, um, we kind of, we stopped going regularly. Um, I started playing drums at a, at a non-Catholic youth group and then probably about for about eight to ten months or so, and then that was about it for there. I went back to the Catholic Church. Um, it was a more charismatic church. My parents were a little worried about, about that and saying, you need to be Catholic. You need to go to a Catholic church. Okay, I will. So uh, with some fighting and argument, but um, ended up going back to that. By the time I graduated, um, I had really become disillusioned with organized religion as a, in general. I mean, I acknowledge God existed. I acknowledge that there was this guy named Jesus. There was this Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it. Um, all these stories in the Bible are true. Um, as I would learn later in my life, even the demons acknowledge that God is, that God exists. Um, so um, it, it created a sense in me of, I can do this on my own. I can be a good person. I can, you know, I haven't murdered anybody. Um, tell little white lies and here and there. Um, you know, but I'm a good person was kind of my mentality. Um, so my parents raised me, I, I don't want to say strict, um, but I was a good kid in high school. I didn't go party. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, all I did was play video games with my friends until about three in the morning. Um, 
So uh, that, that was about it. That was my high school, and I did music there. I went to school for music. So as I graduate, go to college, I found myself with this ridiculous amount of freedom. Oh, I can do whatever I want pretty much whenever I want. Um, so my very first weekend at Capitol at college, um, one of the guys that I met in orientation came up to me and said, hey, this upperclassman will buy us beer. Do you want some? Yes, I will, because that's what college kids do. They go and they drink and they party. Um, so that night, was, it was uh, Labor Day weekend. It was the first night I, I had ever become drunk. Um, most, I mean, my dad had let me taste his beer every once in a while growing up, and you know, I didn't, that wasn't a big deal, but that was the first time I'd ever drank more than I, I should. So, um, and I, I liked it. It was great. Sin felt really good. Um, so, but of course, I didn't, I didn't think it was sin. It was, oh, I'm, it's okay. It's just a little, little alcohol. So, um, throughout my freshman year of college, I um, did that a lot more often, started partying a lot harder. Um, eventually, one of my closer friends at, at school, um, he said to me, hey, we've got some pot. You want to go smoke it? I was like, I've never tried it before. Sure. Uh, I, th I think if my parents are watching, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm probably getting myself in trouble. Um, if, I don't know if they knew this or not. Um, so I tried it and it was, it was great. I was like, Hey, this is awesome. And you know, we would just sit in our room and stare at the, you anybody remember the, um, like the iTunes visualizer on the computer, like we would pretty much just stare at that. So we weren't getting into trouble or anything like that. It was, you know, we're not doing anything super bad or anything. Um, so my freshman year was pretty much alcohol, marijuana, uh, didn't go, ever, never went beyond that. Um, and, and women, that was, that was the thing. You go to college, you do that. Um, play music, sex, drugs, rock and roll, that's the thing. Um, so at the end of my freshman year, um, went, home to, went home from school and, um, I realized very quickly that the group of friends that I had, none of them were coming back to school because they had all failed out of school. Um, and I had good grades. I did, you know, over, you know, 3.2 or whatever. Like, I, I still went to class. I did all of that. Um, and it, it left me with a sense of just this, this loneliness, this, what am I going to do now? Um, you know, I learned that people, people at school kind of viewed me a certain way, and I, I didn't like that. Um, I did it to myself. It was, it was my own fault. Um, so when, when God got a hold of me, it was, um, I think it was in July of um, 2009. Um, I had gone down, we lived down the street from our high school. My high school was hosting a Relay for Life. So I went there to hang out with some friends. Um, my, my best friend from, from high school, Alex, he and I were there. And he, he was somebody throughout high school that um, he was saved. He was a believer. And he really sowed a lot of seeds in my life that I, I didn't realize till later, which is really cool. Um, so we went there, we hung out, then he went home, and I ran into, randomly, that old youth group that I was a part of, and they were playing video games and hanging out in a booth, and so they said, hey, come and hang out with us for the night. So I did, and the next morning, left and went home, they had told me, hey, we're doing this, um, it was like an urban ministry that night, they are going to go into downtown Youngstown and perform at this church. Yes, Youngstown, woohoo, 330. Um, <laughs> And uh, they said, hey, you should come with us. There's going to be worship. There's going to be a message. There's going to be all this. I said, all right, I'll, I'll go with you guys. So um, it was the youth group. Um, and so I, I weirdly fell out of place because I wasn't a youth kid. But they were like, don't worry about it. Just come. So, so that night I went and the worship band started playing. And they, all the kids went down to the front. And I stood in my seat, hands in my pocket. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm too cool for this. This is weird. 
Um, we, we didn't do this in the Catholic Church. We didn't go down to the front of the, front of the stage or anything. Um, so they, they finally dragged me down there, and they were playing this song. It's called Jesus Saves by Tim Hughes, um, and uh, those words just washed over me. Um, they really hit me to, you know, sing it out to let all the world know that Jesus saves, and what does he save us? Why do we need that? Why do we need to be saved? You know, the, the bridge, I think, is that you, you, you save, you, rev, you restore, reveal the, far, the Father's heart to us. Um, you rose... Um, to raise us from the grave, your spirit lives in us. Um, and those words, I mean, just penetrated my heart. Um, it was definitely where I, I would learn later in my life in my theology that that was God finding me first because um, I can't save myself. None of us can. So, um, you know, I, I dropped to my knees. I, I felt this just overwhelming presence of this, hey, I'm here for you. And um, kind of felt out of body for a moment. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Time kind of stood still. It was in that moment that I felt like God really revealed himself to me and said, hey, I am real. This God that you have acknowledged your whole life, I am real. Um, so it was in that moment, I believe, I gave my life to Christ. Um, on the way back, I told a lot of the youth leaders that were there, and they, were, they got so excited. And like I said, it was more of a charismatic church. They, they didn't really tell me, like, why I needed that still. Um, they were just like, praise God, he's saved, awesome, this is great, you know, let's pray for you, like, pray this prayer, and you'll be saved, and so, and then I went on, went on my way, um, and got back to college and said, okay, this is a path I need to, I need to walk down. Um, I found uh, Campus Crusade for Christ at Capitol and started getting involved with that. Um, the guy that was in charge of it started to meet with me about once a week and mentor me, so one of the first because um, the next couple of years were very formative in my faith. You know, I still had a lot of this, like, liberal theology that I kind of felt like. During my freshman year, I remember Google searching, um, does the Bible really say that gay marriage is wrong or sex before marriage is wrong? You know, almost trying to justify myself, realizing later that was the first thing that the enemy said to Eve was, did God really say that? Mm. Um, so I was trying to just explain away my sin, and that's, um, that was not good. So um, I was definitely not perfect immediately. I was still trying to figure this, this whole being a Christian thing out. Um, the, one of the, the two conversations my freshman or my sophomore year that I remember having that really, really hit me the hardest was, uh, one was with the, the guy leading crew over, over there who he said to me, hey, so do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know, are there other ways to heaven? And in my mind, I said, well, well, yeah, there are other ways. And he was like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty clear. That's pretty black and white. Um, but as, as my wife can attest to, and she thanks God, I'm sure, every day for, at that point in my life, I was a, well, the Bible was written by man. Can we really believe it? Um, and that, that was me for the next probably two or three years. Um, the second conversation I had that year was with my roommate, who he and I got into a really big fight about cleanliness and, the, and our apartment and all this stuff. And um, he had said to me the words I'll, I'll never forget. He said, I am tired of defending your faith to people because people think that your faith is, is, is fake. Mm. And, you know, knife in the heart, let's turn it. <laughs> And really, really hit. So it, it left me with a lot to think about. Um, was, oh, why am I still doing some of these parties? And I wasn't, you know, going crazy anymore, but it was, you know, toning down, toning down. Um, 
So as I, as I continued on that path, continued to try to, you know, get this, get my past out of me, kill my past and kill my sin, um, it was probably, it was when I was dating my wife, Shelly, um, I remember her and I had a, had a, she was pretty, pretty bothered by the fact that I said, you know, Bible was written by man, can we really trust it? Um, and I, I thank God almost every day that she didn't break up with me for that, because she almost did. <laughs> and so, um, she was pretty close, she would probably say. Um, so one day, I don't, I don't know what it really was, but I was reading, reading in the Bible, and a switch just flipped in my mind where I said, if I can't believe every word of this book, then none of this is real. I can't believe any of it if I don't believe that every single word is true and every single word was inspired by God and every single word is, is pertinent to my life. Um, so for me, it became that, um, the, it really became real that day of, okay, I need to read this book more. I need to read what God's word says. Um, so for, so after I gave my life to Christ, it was this sense of, um, I didn't have to worry about trying to earn my salvation. I didn't have to try to worry about being a good person. Um, you know, it's good to be a good person, but um, that wasn't going to save me. And then um, the, the need to satisfy myself with other things in the world um, disappeared for me. And it became Jesus is the only one that can satisfy. Um, and so I'm not perfect. I'm still working on, on my life, but, and God's still working on my life. But um, that, was a, that was a big turning point for me. Yeah. Wow, thank you for sharing. I mean, what a, it, it reminds me of, um, I mean, when you're talking about being at that concert and having people kind of drag you down stage and, and all of a sudden uh, truth, like, hit you. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of reminds me of, of when we've been talking about Paul and his testimony um, and saying, hey, you know, God met me on that road and said, you've been living a life that's opposed to me. Hey, buddy, I'm taking you along with me. Mm-hmm. You're on my team now. Oh, yeah. And um, what, a, what a powerful testimony. So when you have opportunity to share with people in your circle, mm. um, what parts of that story um, tend, to, tend to bubble up and be, be compelling? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty involved in youth ministry. I have a very a large passion for that. Um, so for me, uh, in telling my story to you know to guys that are um, you know high school, middle school, it's um, to me. I always try to to emphasize the fact that um, you know you can try to find all these things in this world that might satisfy you, whether it's you know women or drugs or alcohol or any of those things, but. Um, It'll satisfy for very a very short amount of time, but it will never really truly satisfy. And that's the only satisfaction we can ever have is in Christ, um, is through through Christ. So that's that's a big part that I like to emphasize for me. All right, very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Everybody got the benefit of uh, getting to know you a little bit better, and we're so grateful for your ministry overall. So thank you so much. All right, Charlie Angan is going to come and share right now. So uh, go ahead, Charlie, take it away. Good morning. I am, I am uh, going to go right off my notes. Um, you know, I want to go back to, I, I was raised uh, not in the church. I didn't know all the, the songs. I didn't know this, that, or the other. I really didn't know anything. Uh, I married a girl next door. 
we were unevenly yoked and uh, well, e evenly unevenly yoked. Uh, both were wise in our own eyes. And, uh, you know, our, our story kind of, uh, we had a plan. We, we thought we knew, we knew, we know what uh, our plan was. We knew our timeline. And so that, that effect was um, she was a senior, I was a senior. Uh, unfortunately, I was a senior in high school and she was a senior in college. And, uh, you know, so, so one of our plans was, well, you've got to finish college and then we'll have kids and then we'll, you know, you know we'll just go from there. And so we did that. So I finished college. Uh, you know, now, now's the time. Okay, now we're going to have kids. You're going to come home. I'm all excited. Well, infertility. And uh, those of you that know us now know that infertility is not a problem any longer. Um, you know, what, what happened was is that that really caused some issues in our marriage. Uh, and, and so there was this Jesus freak family member of ours that for, the, for our wedding gave us this weekend to remember uh, marriage confidence certificate. And so as a last ditch effort, we just decided to go, well, let's go to this thing. And uh, the cool thing was is that what we needed to see was uh, the covenant design for marriage. What does that look like? Well, it looks a lot different than the way we're living. Um, you know, in a breakout session in the, at this weekend to remember, uh, guys and gals are separate and they present the gospel. And uh, unbeknownst to one another, uh, as we came together back that evening, we had both said, you know, we realize we're sinners and, and we need to be saved by grace. And uh, that, was, that was really cool. And that, really, that really set the page or the, the direction. And so... We were slated to go a couple weeks after that to an uh, infertility test for Kelly. And uh, we, we, I take her, and we're waiting, and she comes right back out to me. And uh, they said, you know, why are you here? Well, we, we, we can't get pregnant. Well, you're pregnant. <laughs> oh, Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I mean, <laughs> he, he shut those gates. And, and, and then, um, then, man, when, when we submitted to him... He opened them in a great way. You know, we have six biological children and three adopted children. Mm, um, and, and, and so that, that story, that, that's, that's short, but that's really not the, the big story. You know, the, you know, the testimony of faith and the testimony of faithfulness. And God's faithfulness over the last 35 years has been incredible. And, you know, a lot of people will, will joke about, you know, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Well, man, we, we have faced trials. You know, one thing, one, once we started having kids, I started having shoulder issues, you know. At, at 36, I had a new shoulder. Mm. At 42, I had the other shoulder. At 47, I had the third. So three of my two shoulders have been replaced. <laughs> And, and I looked at that as a trial. That was really, those were tough years, you know, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally. That's when my kids were growing up, you know. But, but fast forward to uh, 17, 18, 17, 18. Thank you, dear. Um, you know, my, my business is running. My daughter's running, running the, the helm of the business. My boys are pro my, running my projects. We do rehabbing. You know, we're, we're going gangbusters. And, uh, you know, the, the awesome thing was is that they had skills that they shouldn't have. They were, they were advanced in their years. 
And, and little did I know that in um, 18, 2018, uh, I, was, I was 47 years old. Uh, my estrogen level is very high. Um, You're fine. At, at 47, fine. I was having trouble health-wise that year. And uh, come to find out, uh, I've got stage four cancer. And uh, the, the day that I, I sat the family down, we, my wife and I told everybody, uh, my twin Caleb, he, he set me out on the front deck and he says, Dad, you're fired. I said, well, <laughs> thank you, son. You know, what, what he meant was, is you go, you go fight this thing, we got this for you. And I, and I can tell you by knowing me, if I would have been healthy physically, they wouldn't have the skills that they had that was able to, that, that they were just able to run. They were too, they were too young, you know, but God prepared them. And uh, I have just been blessed uh, with, with daughter-in-laws. I can look back. I can see my my first granddaughter that I never thought I'd live to see, and and so God has just been faithful, and, and you know it, sometimes it, it's the, the beauty of this is to say you know what you may be going through something hard and not realize it and you know right now why 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 this mess well God's preparing you for something whether it's your testimony whether you're you know you need to talk to somebody that's in that same situation there there's a reason for that trial. You know, I, I, I don't love having cancer, but I love being able to, to have all my cancer buddies encourage one another in the faith uh, because it, it ebb and flows. It's hard. You know, it's hard to tell Greg this morning. You know, I told him, I said, I just finished my 65th chemo uh, this week. And uh, he said, how long, how many in this regiment? I said, well, <laughs> tell him in heaven. You know, there isn't. I'm just, you know, it's just for life. Sometimes that's tough to say. It's uncomfortable for people to ask, but, but this cancer has been a blessing because this is what God intended for me. You know, he, he's got my, my boys, uh, if he doesn't heal me, my boys are going to finish my younger boys. You know, my adult kids have turned around and stepped it up in such a way that it is just incredibly peaceful to live. And, uh, you know, I didn't plan what I was going to say, but I don't even know what I said. Hey. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So you walk in circles of people that real, eternity lives with them right here. When you, you've, got a, you've got a unique message to some of them, what, what is it to them that you, you talk to when you sit, when you uh, are having those conversations with people that are, are facing Death facing eternity in a real way, more real than many of us pay attention to anyway, when the reality is that we all do. When reality of eternity is uh, in your face mm-hmm. every day? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, makes, it, it makes a lot harder for people to make excuses when I, when I, give, when I let them know my reality mm-hmm. and, and that even though, you know, what I'm facing, you know, statistically in man's eyes is... You know, I should, I should check out in July, you know, but when you're able to say, you know what, I'm faithful, I, I, I'm, I'm confident in God's faithfulness that he's going to have me here exactly as long as he wants me yeah. to. 
and that my purpose isn't done here, that there are people that I'm, that I'm here, and, and I've seen that, you know, again with, you know, my 22-year-old cancer buddy and my other buddy that's not here any longer, you know, there, there's an opportunity to encourage people where they're at and, and, uh, you know, and where they're going. And, yeah. and it is comforting to think about heaven and, and not dealing with sure. going through the pain that a lot of the people that are in my circle go through. Yeah. Uh, but it's also nice to tell the story because cancer and stuff and, and death has touched so many people. It's real. And so the importance of the gospel, the importance of not hesitating to tell somebody your story is so important. Uh, they may need to hear it. You may not, need, not know it. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much for having the courage to come up here in front of all these people and sharing this morning. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> So as we, uh, as we wrap up this morning, there's a passage that I wanted to share and encourage us with. Uh, Paul, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the, the setting is um, kind of reflecting back to when Moses would interact with God, his, his face was shown, and so he would veil his face so that the nation of Israel couldn't, could, so it was, it was dampened a little bit. That, that, that shone was dampened, whether it was so they couldn't see it fully, so they couldn't understand fully. But nonetheless, there was a veil that was laid over him in his face in that time. 2 Corinthians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 15 says, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Verse 16 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to, to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this morning, we've, we've, we've heard from, from Denise and, the, and the, the life she's lived, trusting the Lord, facing challenges. We've learned, we've, we've heard from, from Jeremy, who's faced um, recent trials in their marriage, which grows them to know that God works in their, in their story, in their marriage. And him seeing the power of a free gift of salvation, one he could never earn. And, and Trevor as a, as a young man, as, a, as an adult, for the first time. The same with Charlie, as a, as a married man. Seeing Christ, receiving salvation, having that veil removed to see fully what none of them could have done on their own. None of them could have understood. None of them could have saved themselves. And so the question that I have this morning is that as, as we're sitting here today, for any of us that, that have heard these stories, have heard this from the Word of God, and are asking ourselves, do I understand? Have, do I believe? Do I believe that, that Jesus 
came to earth? Do I believe that I am a sinner and I need a Savior? And do I believe that Jesus came, lived a perfect life? He died. He overcame death. He overcame sin. And then he rose again and lives today in heaven preparing a place for us. Do each of us grasp onto that and believe that as truth? And if there's question in your mind today, and if, and if you are desiring that freedom, freedom in the Lord, freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from eternal death and damnation. There's still going to be troubles. We've heard about them today. But we get this picture, this, this comfort of the future of a home with the Lord, the hope of heaven, one we could not earn. And so as, as we close up our service and, and the worship team comes and, and sings a final song, I just want to want to ask you that question. And if you want to have a conversation with someone about that this morning, you can come up here into this uh, first row of chairs that God left empty this morning, and, and somebody will come and join you and, and have a conversation, pray with you. Um, and if this morning is a day that, that you receive Christ as your Savior, praise God for that. And for, for anyone online that's been watching this morning and, and God is, is nudging on their heart to surrender to him, you reach out um, to us as well via, via online approach and, and we will get with you and talk. So this morning, let's just uh, uh, transition in, in to pray this morning. Dear Lord, we're just grateful today for the testimonies of your work in people's lives. You're saving grace in in our church family members, the salvation that you have granted, that you have gifted those of us who have bent our knee to you. And so we are so grateful and we are in awe of that. We, we function in our lives doing, 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 doing. This is a gift. One that we can do nothing to earn. A gift is a gift. It's offered to us. We receive it or don't receive it. God, put it on hearts this morning that are sitting here to receive this gift. Surrender their lives to you and worship you forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.